What's up, mom and dad? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. Thank you for sticking with us, for tuning into the show. We are at episode 10 and kicking it off today with Caroline Burkle, an Olympic swimmer, an Olympic medalist, and the co-founder of Rise Athletes, a program where her and fellow Olympians mentor youth athletes. In addition, Caroline is a brand ambassador for multiple brands and runs mindset workshops designed to help people get the right mindset, a healthy mindset for life. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation on communication, growth, on getting out of our comfort zones, and hearing more about Caroline's journey. As always, if you want to learn more about raising competitors, if you want to find content that you can use at home or at school, be sure to check out RaisingCompetitors.com. And if you haven't yet, if you're new to the show, if you're new to Raising Competitors, be sure to check out our parent brand, CompeteEveryday.com, where it's full of finding motivation, a separate podcast for the Compete Everyday show, apparel, and more. If you decide you see something you like, you can always use the code PODCAST to get 15% off any order at CompeteEveryday.com. Now, I'm excited to welcome to the show Rise Athletes co-founder, Caroline Burkle. to the show today, Carolyn. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, we've, uh, we've, I've been wanting to have this, as I told you when we got on the phone uh, a few weeks ago for a while now, uh, really after learning about the work you're doing at Rise, getting to know your story a little bit. So for our listeners, before we dive into the work you're doing today, just to really empower the next generation, set them up for success, give us a quick snapshot of your athletic career, which is quite impressive. Uh, and what led you into the position you're at today at Building Rise? All right. So a snapshot. Um, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and I swam, played tennis, ran cross country. I think that's it. Maybe some soccer. <laughs> and um, I took to swimming quickly. So then I swam, 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 got a scholarship to the University of Florida swam there for four years, then swam professionally afterwards for about two and a half years, I think, three years. Um, And so at the culmination of my Florida career, which was up and down and beautiful and hard and amazing, (laughs) uh, I won NCAAs my senior year, and then I went directly into Olympic trials and made the Olympic team. So that was in 2008. Um, So that was the the big goal that was reached. And before that, we had uh, obviously like international meets and worlds and Pan American Games and things like that to set us up. So that was the culmination of my career. And then I competed afterwards for a couple of years, but decided to retire in 2010, end of 2010. So didn't then, go until 2012. <laughs> it's it okay. On purpose for a reason. Yeah. So, well, then flash forward a few years, you're now developing Rise, helping empower, mentor up-and-coming athletes. What was kind of the genesis or the seed planted that ultimately sparked the idea for Rise? So there's an Elizabeth Gilbert quote that I love, and I I say it all the time, and it's, I mean, I'm going to butcher it right now, but essentially the point is, is when you get tired of your own bullshit, you start to make decisions. And so I had recognized throughout my transition from swimming at that point in about, you know, 2012, when I what was, well, 2014, 15, maybe it had been like five years that I was ready to 
use the tools that I had learned in grad school, use the tools and the experiences that I had transitioning that were gnarly and there was darkness and there was light and there was running from things and there was chasing things and, and all of these, these things in this path that I was on, I'm going to use that and make something of that because there's a reason why that was there. And then also my 15 plus year career, like there's a reason why that was there too. And I felt that those things could be a platform for my life. So I ended up graduating from uh, University of Tennessee with sports psychology degree in 2015. Is that actually allowed by Gators? I'm just curious. I know. I was called a traitor the whole time. <laughs> but they did it out of love, totally out of love. Uh, so I graduated and I was standing in my parking lot on a phone call with Rebecca Sony, who's now my business partner. Um, and we had kept in touch throughout this whole journey. Both of us were like, we don't really understand who we are outside of the sport and we're down to struggle. We're down to figure it out. And so we would talk a lot about that transition in that space. And she had started mentoring athletes and created this curriculum where she was, you know, going to help them in their performance as youth athletes. And parents were starting to inquire, like, we want an Olympian to mentor our kid. So her and I were on the phone and she said, why don't we just start you out? Because I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Why don't we just start you out with a mentor, a mentee, and see how that works for you. So I started mentoring one of the girls that I have now, Zyla, who's amazing. And I say her name just because she's open to that. So, um, and then from there, I just mentioned to Rebecca, like, I'm in, like, let's make this a thing. So we went and just went to town with it, created this beautiful space for Olympians to transition from their sport by mentoring youth athletes and for youth athletes to have an Olympian in their back pocket to learn from and learn sports psychology tips from, learn experiential things from and everything like that. So it was a very cool experience to fall into organically and not really know what it would actually be other than to just trust that we wanted to make it something. So yeah, that all happened like four, three years ago ish, three and a half years ago. <laughs> so what I love about what you just shared is, is not only were y'all able to use the experience, the knowledge that you have from your Olympic careers to help these young athletes who at the time, even as they're growing in their own sport, I remember being young, like our world is so much mm -hmm. smaller uh, than what it truly is. And, and our eyes aren't open to that. But it sounds like from an athlete standpoint, it helped you go to a real servant service mindset to help with that transition of almost not being considered an athlete anymore. By identity, would you say? Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's not a time during that transition that I really knew what my identity was. And that discovering and that uncovering of things that have been there your whole life that you haven't really you've put aside to get the job done. There's a lot of shame that came through that, right? Like there's a lot of shame, like, well, why didn't I, why am I not proud? You know, why do I want more? Why, why couldn't I have just swam forever and like been really proud of that? Or, or why, why does it have to be that I have to choose now if I'm an athlete or not? Or, why does it have to be if I choose if I'm an entrepreneur or not? Like, why can't I be everything, you know? So uh, that transition from being an athlete and that identity, you know, if I clung to that identity as an athlete, then I wasn't able to do what I was able to do to start, start, start a business or to start something. 
if I would have clung to only starting a business and not use the tools I had as an athlete, then that also was detrimental. So it was about embracing both of those identities and knowing that the more you cling to one and one only is when like the downfall occurs because you're not honoring the space for all of the things that you are capable of. Um, so we do develop and we did develop a curriculum and a program that develops the holistic athlete so that they know that they can both perform at the top level and maybe someday go and be whatever they want to be in life athletically, but also holistically develop themselves to be better people for their family and for their friends and for their goals in life of being a brain surgeon or whatever they want to do because they can do both. They can have both. And where their focus goes is based upon that time in their life to where they know what they need to focus on. But it's that like innate understanding of that you can, you can be more than one thing in life. You can have more than one passion and still succeed in one thing too. So my journey and my transition with that identity has helped me with our business because I'm able to, to implement that for these youth and we're able to train our mentors to implement that for these youth based on their experiences as well. That's awesome because I don't know, except for a few handful of cases, people that played sports that had a clean breakup uh, for better lack of a better word, because mm -hmm. only a few of us ever get to determine when we're going to walk away from sport, either a, right. Uh, this, you know, wherever the sport chooses someone younger, better, faster, whatever the case may be, like our career is always end, and, and a lot of us struggle with the idea of no longer being a football player, a basketball player, and we're not mentally equipped for it to where you can start trying to fill that void with anything, alcohol, mm -hmm. drugs, other people seeking validation, yes. that it just creates a tailspin in the post career. And it's interesting. It's not quite to the degree that you would have soldiers returning from a war, um, but they struggle with a heavy identity crisis in that regard as well, because there's always something to do. They're of service. There's a rank, everything. <laughs> athlete kind of yeah. has that same structure of I'm an athlete. I know where to go. I have my locker room, my teammates, I know my routine, and then it's gone. And then who mm -hmm. am I? And I don't know if a lot of parents outside of maybe their own immediate experience are aware of some of the things going on in their athletes, especially, I mean, think right now we're recording this in May, it's airing early July when high school graduation happens and these kids are getting ready to go to college and they're no longer the, the star athlete on the hometown. They're just a college student. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's a heavy emphasis for y'all at rise because you want these kids to be successful in whatever they do in life and understanding mm -hmm who they are is a big piece of that. Right. And so this is actually a topic that I think is extremely important. And also, and I don't mean to, to say this in a way that would be negative or to put it, to put it down by any means, but I am an open book and, and open to all sorts of viewpoints, um, which I think is important also <laughs> that as, mentors at rise or as parents or as coaches i think that the common misunderstanding is if i coach or parent or mentor or whatever my athlete to have multiple things that they're good at and to see what they're good at in different areas and and to embrace their skill sets and to know 
you know, that they're enough and that they're a plenty with things in their life that makes them full, that for some reason, that means that they're not laser focused on performance. And for some reason that that means that they can't perform because they're not just giving it all into one thing. So we, we read these quotes, right? All over Instagram or Facebook or hear them from NBA players and NFL players. It's like, well, I just, I pushed everything out and I laser focused on that one thing. And that's why I got good. Yes. And <laughs> like, yes. And right. So yes, that is important. And also it's, it's really helpful, I think, to include other parts of life so that they do perform well. So I haven't known an athlete yet that has not had a healthy life outside of their sport and performed well. Maybe there's certain areas that aren't good and there's like, you know, some turmoil and bad grades and like break up with boyfriend and like, you know, whatever it may be that's occurring, which is very common for high school athletes and for college athletes and for, for, for professional athletes. Like we are human, we have lives, but there's also this, there's something that has to, to, to feel understood and whole and complete. And it always comes back to, I am enough. I have gifts in order to deliver to this world, athletically, personally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And those things, if they're believed, are the key to performance success. You will perform better at a higher level if you can dive into yourself and understand who you are as a core and why you are meant to be here doing the thing you're doing. Because that set of beliefs and, and that confidence, that core confidence does create the peak performance that you're looking for. So as a caveat to that, you can have zero confidence and be very depressed and emotional and all of a sudden perform well, and it might catch up to you. So the, the moral of the story is how do you cultivate that one, you know, confident core inside of an athlete, knowing that it's going to change often and over and over and over again, but instilling that sense of, of self-worth and self-confidence that they have to uncover themselves. <laughs> well, and so. the two things you said right there I want to hit on is, is one, the caveat that they can perform well short term, right in that moment, but over the long term, it's not going to be able to hold up, mm -hmm. which as parents, as coaches, our goal is to do what's best for the athlete in the long run right. of their life is to set them up for success. And so even if we can get them pushed for that moment, like we have to address that, even if it's yeah. taking a step back from a performance side so that they can take four to five steps forward. I just think that's such a, an important piece. The other thing you talked about, I heard recurring is really about the stories we tell about who we are and what we believe. And I love that conversation. I had it with uh, Dr. Laura Pence who works with Spartan. And we talked about the inner dialogue and the inner stories we tell ourselves every day. It sounds like that's an area of focus tied into all this of making sure that the stories we're telling ourselves align with the people we're trying to become. Would that be right? Yeah. Yes. And to, to back up to the first thing you said, to touch on that, I 100% agree with you. Um, and the, the question that the coach, parent, mentor, advisor, whoever can say to an athlete, and, and you know, the question to ask themselves is, are you feeling fulfilled in what you're doing? Like, what are those values that fulfill you? And really getting to know that athlete, like what, 
does fulfill them. Is someone deprived of making art? Do they need to go paint on their free time? Is, is someone needing more meditation or more visualization for their sport? Someone needing more quiet time to actually think about their races? Is someone feeling overwhelmed? Like what are the things that they need to feel sound and asking those questions like, oh, it's so important. And that's one of our core teachings at RISE is the power of question asking and challenging athletes in a way that is a, it's a productive, constructive challenge. Like what is it that you are feeling? And let's dive into like, why are you fulfilled? What's occurring? What are your values? What's showing up? Like all of those styles of questions can come in any order according to where the athlete's at. But yes, so I agree with you there <laughs> to start with. Um, and then to go on to your part B that you said about the stories, it, it plays off of what I just said about the question asking. So we create stories in our head based on events that may have not happened yet or events that we imagine to happen. Um, and that's where a lot of the root of suffering is, right? Like I personally, I'm a stage 12 overthinker. <laughs> However, I know how to block it out and I know how to get the job done when I need to, but then I come back to the overthinking. <laughs> and so it's like, what do I need in those moments? I actually need nature space and like space, like place wide open space and art. And I literally can like diminish any sort of overthinking in a matter of time. I also how need did to you discover space. that? Like those were the things you needed. Um, trial and error practice and also communication. I need a vulnerable open space to talk to somebody about what I'm feeling with no judgment. And I think that for a long time, I felt like I didn't, I couldn't share my feelings because they were, you need to stack up and get the job done kind of thing instead of you can share your feelings and also get the job done. So, um, the stories that athletes create in their minds, and this is from my experience. I'm not trying to um, clump everybody in one category. Everybody is a unique snowflake and has their own like pattern to how they operate. But the, the number one theme I'm seeing with these stories are the stories based upon what we feel we can't express and what we feel we're being judged for or, or our um, values are being judged for because we're not doing something or because we are. So for example, let's say you perform poorly and it's terrible and you're a track athlete and you literally got lost in all your events and it's just, it was a brutal competition. The stories created in that moment are based on whether or not so-and-so is upset with me, whether or not I'm good enough anymore, if I'm strong enough, if I'm fit enough, if I train enough, oh, but guess what? So-and-so still might be upset with me. And actually, I think I let everybody down. And then I did this. And all these stories are based off of the fact that do we have a vulnerable space? Do we have that space throughout the process to share how to get better? Like, do you have that space? Or are you told to forget it, don't worry about it, handle it, because that's where all the stories fester. There's no outlet for them. There's no way to productively talk about them. Hey, Sally, are you feeling like you're not enough? Or are you feeling like you're letting um, your parents and your coaches down? Are you feeling like blah, blah, blah? Those types of things 
you know, you wouldn't ask outwardly, but if you can tease those out through a vulnerable conversation of coaching and of, of working with somebody, they're able to then prevent these types of stories in the future because they're able to see where they're coming from and that they're not really true. So it's that lack of communication and space to process that, that I think is showing up more than I've ever noticed before. Um, Cause there's like shame around feeling weak or that like sharing your feelings is weak or that if you admit weakness, then you're a failure to everybody. <laughs> so, um, and that shows up throughout careers. This isn't something you fix as a 16 year old. You fix this, you, you, you tweak it at 16, then you modify it at 19, then you modify it more at 23. And then guess what? You dip back down to a 16 year old self. And then you're like, holy crap, I gotta like step my game back up. So then I need to go back through that. Like it is not linear. And so the process of personal development and developing an athlete in that space is not linear and it will be up and down according to their changes in life and their, you know, personal perception of the, the situation too. So long winded way of saying that those stories show up all the time and it's, do you have a space to process them? What do you need to process them? Are you feeling supported? To process them and getting rid of them is only done through repetitions it's not a one-time thing it is repetitions processing them and knowing that the more you can communicate with coach mentor parent etc about what is showing up for you the better you will perform it's not complaining unless it is if it's constructive and it's working through something, then it's constructive and working through something. So yeah, it stories are, stories are always going to be there. It's just a matter of how you navigate your way through them. I love that. And I love the fact that you hit on the repetition that this isn't a one-time thing. It's, it's us mm -hmm. developing any skill, any story pattern, anything is done one after another, after another, it's, it's that mm -hmm. small habits that, 1% every day compounds over time to lifetime lasting results, but it's still done one choice at a time, one day at a time. What are we being intentional about? Mm -hmm. One of the things I want to switch gears slightly on is, is I'm fascinated with your own career because you swam individually and you swam as part of a team. And yes. today you've got individual sports, you have tennis, you have some swimming, you have gymnastics, mm -hmm. and then you have team sports, which swimming, mm -hmm. gymnastics also play in there, but you have soccer, football, basketball, and kids at a young age are developing different sets of communication skills, leadership skills, depending on which sports they're in, because mm -hmm. there's different interactions. You having experience one in both settings, and then working with kids really in both settings, what are things that y'all are doing that perhaps a student or an athlete that does more individual sports is not in some of that team setting to help them develop as a leader when there's really not a group around them to lead? Mm. So <laughs> I love this topic of leadership. Leaders are not just something that is a product of, the structure. So if you are a team captain, if you think you're the only leader on that team, you're making a mistake, right? So everyone is a leader. And so 
I came from an individual sport, as you said, and I also swam on a relay many times internationally, which is a team sport, essentially. And also there's this overarching umbrella of we're on a team, USA or Florida or whatever it is. So you're swimming individually and I'm on a team. Same with gymnastics, same with track, like all these sports are individual and team. So I had this, this, I can't have both mindset. Um, but if you're an individual sport athlete and you're not on a team, I think the key is learning what kind of characteristics would make you a good leader no matter what it is. So let's say someone is vocal or they're empathetic and they listen or they lead by example or they put, um, put together like little team functions well or they can help with psych psychological things very well and, and sit down with somebody one-on-one -on -one or they work well in smaller groups so they, they get in touch with each of their teammates. So let's say that hypothetically you're working in that space on a team. So you put yourself in the team hat like, okay, if I was on a team and I was a leader, what would I be? What role would I have? Why should that change individually? And why should that change for yourself? Like that's how you lead yourself. And so there's two concepts, you lead others and you lead self. And so a lot of times those two things are the same. It's just a matter of the outlet that it's being distributed to. So I firmly believe that everyone is a leader and leaders are created and they're, they're made based on, well, based on their own personal ability to decide that they want to obtain characteristics and cultivate and create characteristics within themselves that make them a good leader. And again, it's reps. I just show up once and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I led this relay uh, at my field day and I'm now a leader. Yes and no. <laughs> so well, and you said it's created. You that, that's the biggest key is, is not born. You may be born with traits that allow you to communicate a certain way or handle relationships, but it's created through reps. And it's, you know, there's a lot of information that I've, I've spewed out here. And the, at the end of the day, it's all connection. If we are not connecting with athletes, with parents, with mentors, if people are not connecting with one another, and we're not communicating what our needs are in that space. Like, hey, I'm a 15-year-old athlete and I don't know why I'm a leader and I don't understand and I don't even know what a leadership qualities are and I have no goals and I don't know. How can we create a space for them to feel safe to communicate that? And it's taking the time to connect before information is spewed out. We're in a culture right now where there is an overdose of information everywhere. Like information is being thrown at us. And while it's really important, I have little almanacs myself and books and everything that I study and inform myself on in my mind. If I'm not connecting over that information, especially with mentors, with coaches, with peers, with whatever, in the way that works constructively, then what's the point? You know, you can be, if you want to be a, a, a silent you know, librarian and work within a certain space, then go do that. But if you're in a team sport or if you're out there doing the thing with your body and your mind and learning how to communicate in that space, even if it's just nonverbal communication with your coach and with your parent, even if it's just like, I need a hug, I'm good. 
You know, like how do you communicate those things? It, it all comes down to that connection. And I can tell a brief story on this. Um, I was a feeling athlete. I didn't know times, splits, nothing. I did not care. I couldn't be bothered. I had no concept of it at all. I did well when coach was like, you have so-and-so on your butt. Tempo is 1.2. Because if he was like 26.4, I had no idea what he was talking about. Like, cool, but also, like, I don't care. And it's just about who gets their hand to the ball first. <laughs> so at the same time, you know, both are important. My brother was polar opposite. He also went to the Olympics two case studies of someone that knew every split, every tempo, every time, every everything, and someone that didn't even hardly know what heat they were in, you know? So when I communicated, so my coach in college and I had a tumultuous relationship for two years in the middle. And then right before my senior year, I said, I think the difference is we're not on the same page. We're not communicating what I need. And he's assuming that he knows what I need and I haven't communicated it. So how am I supposed to expect to perform? How am I supposed to expect to be a leader? I'm a team. I was a team captain. How am I supposed to lead others when I don't even know how to communicate myself? So I sat down with him and we had a three hour conversation one day upstairs in the team room. And it amounted to your needs being an athlete based on feel are going to be before the race. I'm going to, talk to you about why the sky is blue. And then you're going to go in the corner and close your eyes and put your feet up and do your visualization process, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't work for me to say, okay, first 50 is 26, two, second 50, I want you to be like 27, nine, third 50, blah, 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 blah. That worked for my teammate. It didn't work for me. And that is a challenge as a coach. You have a bunch of athletes, but as they get older and as they do, progress, it's important to understand that, that it is important to communicate. So I think getting on the same page as the athlete, parents, coaches, you know, mentors, whatever, as to what they do well with, and then evolving that process so that you're not getting stuck in this like one thing. It's like evolving that process. That's the key. Because when he could evolve that with me, it then became the next technique. And then it then became the next technique. And then it became a, um, he related an analogy from a movie to me that all of a sudden I saw what it meant. And it was the Wizard of Oz. And it was like, holy crap, I know what I'm supposed to do now. And it was bizarre, but it worked. And so my point is, is like that power of connection and that power of understanding what those needs are and communicating those needs is going to be with every relationship in life, like it doesn't change. It doesn't change if it's a dog. <laughs> They're giving you feedback and you have to understand like what that, what that means and how that starts to, to create that connection. Um, and I'll finish on that thought with, that doesn't mean that you don't grow. That doesn't mean you don't try other things. That doesn't mean that you don't try other ways of doing things. There's gonna be a lot of trial and error. But eventually you'll land on a way that makes sense to communicate and a way that you can evolve and grow within that space so that you're like, I'm going to be the best damn visualizer ever. And I'm going to keep getting better and better and better at that. And I'm going to try different ways. I'm going to see what works and throw darts at the board and see what sticks. But I'm going to take what my gifts are and what my leadership qualities are and what I do and do them well and better and better and better and better. Does that make sense? That does. That does. I, <laughs> I no, and I love down. that. 
And I think that's incredibly helpful for the parents listening that may be banging their head against the wall that how they're communicating right now is not working and, and where that disconnect is. And maybe they feel frustrated as a parent because they're not able to connect on the right space. And maybe it's just a matter of trying to different ways to connect because they're speaking the language that your brother needs instead of the one you need. And, and it, right. it's figuring that out. Um, so speaking of connecting, what are the types of people, athletes that y'all work with at Rise that should connect with you after the show? Yes. So we obviously we work with Olympic athletes and they come through our, our system. Um, they inquire typically and then we interview them, make sure they're in alignment. Uh, and then they go through a course work, which is six weeks long. And then they take a course and then they graduate on to being a mentor. So we do that so that everyone's on the same page. They can also use their experience as well as the information um, to deliver to the athletes. And then the youth athletes that come through our program are of all sports, typically 13 to 18 years old. Um, and if there's a sport that the Olympian isn't in, we still encourage that youth athlete to be in our program because the mindset skills don't necessarily differ overall. Um, and to be honest, both it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Mentor learns, athlete learns, like you grow together and you grow as a team. And so, um, yeah, so about 13 to 18 years old, uh, we usually start at 13 just because the concepts can be, um, some of them can be a little bit trickier. So, you know, we just want to make sure that they're probably high school age to get to that uh, point of development. And um, it's not to say there's younger ones that are already developed, but we just do that so that we have a system there. And then, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. They come in through our through our website or through our other social outlets, through word of mouth. Um, Which is, your, what is your website? What is your social for Rise? Yeah, it's rise-athletes.com. And the social is Rise Athletes. Just all one word. And we'll be linking so. to both of those. And then for someone that wants to follow along with you, uh, your CrossFit videos, your Rise <laughs> Athletics videos, uh, a little bit of everything that you've got going on, sharing your story and your life. Where can people find and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm just Caro Burkle. So like the first four letters of my name and then Burkle. So B-U-R-C-K-L-E. And it's on the Rise Athletes Instagram page. Our Rebs and I, Reb and I's um, accounts are there. If you want to click on it. And yeah, I, I just, I keep it real. I, uh, I think that everybody knows that about me and also I just I appreciate um the fact that everyone that's an athlete youth athlete mature athlete whatever is a human individual being first before anything and I like to think of their sport or their endeavor as like a branch of them so like their arm so you're going to have multiple things that you do so whichever one you're focusing on at the time is, is what you do so that's what I try and make my social account like all sides of me, all versions of me. <laughs> so uh, swimming, regular life, speaking, rise, CrossFit, whatever it is. So try to keep it real. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show this week. This has been a thank blast. Uh, parents listening, be sure to go check out everything they're doing. It's a fantastic program, mentorship program uh, that can help set your athlete up for success, not only in sports, but more importantly, in life. Thanks for tuning in this week. Thank you. 
Thanks again, mom and dad, for tuning in to another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. Just a reminder to learn more about Caroline's work with Rise Athletes, visit www.rise-athletes.com. And as always, to check out more on the Raising Competitors program to get plugged into our community and help instilling the traits of a winning competitor in your kids so that they can win in school, in sports, and in life. Visit RaisingCompetitors.com and be sure to sign up for our free monthly newsletter full of resources to help you win at home as well. Until next week, keep competing every day.